Hey, what's crack-a-lackin' everybody? How you doing? How you doing? How you doing? Uh, sorry I was not on last week. I decided to take the week off. And let me get, let me explain something to you guys. So once in a while I will take spontaneous weeks off. And I hope you uh, find it kind of, hey, you know what? Mike needs, needs should take a, a week off or two. Um, the reason why is because occasionally, and I mean this sarcastically, I have a lot of things going on, and I don't want to be in the in a situation where I feel I'm obligated to to do something, or it becomes a job. What I do here, I don't have any sponsorships, nor do I ask for sponsorships. I don't, uh, I don't get paid for this podcast, uh, and nor am I complaining. Okay, so I'm not complaining. I'm not doing any of that. But I do it out of my own time during my schedule because I enjoy it, because I like it, because it's passion for me. If anything goes beyond that, that's that's fine. But I, but my biggest thing is the minute I stop, I f- having the passion for something. Or the minute I don't like it, I'm not going to do it anymore. It, it's that's becomes a job to me, and and uh, especially if you're doing something that's a job and you're and there's nothing really there for you. Nor here's the deal: even if I got paid to do this podcast, then that's really a job, and then I have to be obligated to do it all the time. <clears throat> excuse me, all the time, and I just I just don't think that. It takes the it takes the passion out. So I just want to let you guys know where I'm coming from on that. So once in a while, I take breaks. It's just to help me reset, re-energize, and bring a good podcast for you. So speaking of good podcasts, I've got Paul Corden coming up here. And I, it's fantastic interview. I think you're going to learn a lot. Matter of fact, I know you will. And it's about selling. What I'd like to touch base on the next podcast with him is uh, talking about maximizing your hail repair and then talk about what kind of estimates can you let's let's we're going to talk about the estimates that you could give to your um, your people. How do you how do you justify an estimate by text message? I am still critiquing that formula. Okay, right now I'm not ready to break it down for you, but I am definitely critiquing it and I am polishing it and getting that down. I think I'm getting closer at a formula that that works. I don't think anything beats talking to the customer in person if you can do that. But, you know, everybody wants an estimate, everybody wants a ballpark figure. I have some formulas that I use, but... I'm still not uh, still not saying like, okay, well, this is the way to go. And I think that's the hardest way to, to, to lay to justify an estimate is through text message. And I do that a lot, guys. Okay. Uh, probably about 70% of my estimates are through text messaging. Now, a lot of you guys may think that that's not the way to go. You want to get them on the phone. I think that's great too. I think it's also depends on how busy you are. Um, who you, who's on your staff, how do you, what's your system like, things like that. 
And speaking of systems, uh, I'm going to just let the cat out of the bag. I use a system to help manage my, my appointments. It is by far the best thing I've ever done for my business. If you're going to go to the Mega Media event, which is October 17th, 18th, and 19th in Greeley, I'm going to show you how that system works and how you can manage your company, especially if you're a one-man band or a one-woman band or very few people on your team and you don't have a secretary. This is definitely the way to go. You need to get on a schedule appointment system where the customer can just go online and just fill out the form and and easy peasy because it's going to make your life a lot easier customers more happier and you more efficient so that's that's definitely going to be at the mega media event october 17th through the 19th please i really encourage you to sign up when we do release the sign up uh which should be two to three weeks two to three weeks because that's coming up in october you won't want to miss it. It will be sold out. I do not want to take more than 40 spots. I, matter of fact, I really would like 30. But I think we're going to max it to 40. No more. And I mean it. No more than 40. There's no way I could edit that. Speaking of that, i got some new gear for that. i got some new cool stuff I'm going to be doing some videos on. I'm pretty excited, man. I had a good week uh, week off because I got re-geared re up. And, uh, yeah, I'm pumped. I'm pumped. I'm looking for some new new content videos uh, to do. And check this out. One of my next shots that I'm doing on my new videos, you might already have seen it or start to see it. Um, but what I've got is that now the new tutorials are going to have a perspective on you seeing a dent with lines and fog at the same time. So what it's going to do is I'm going to pan just like you should when you are actually looking at a dent. Sometimes it'll be just straight lines because that's what I mainly am. I'm a line guy. But I do have a hybrid board system where it will show fog and lines. So no matter what type of tech you are, you can still see the technique and understand the technique no matter which reflection you are. Matter of fact, it might benefit you just to see the other reflection being used. So regardless, you're going to see an awesome detailed tutorial as always. And speaking of tutorials, if you haven't joined already, please check out denttrainer.com. If you're already a member, thank you, thank you, thank you. If you haven't and you're dabbling at it, maybe you're a new tech, maybe you're an older tech, you want to see new type of techniques from a different perspective you should definitely check out denttrainer.com and don't forget to uh, about the the discount codes up there on the dent trainer member too many many uh, tool uh, companies out there a limit dent uh, ultra kiko uh, shoot um, carbon tech standliner a uh, lot of a lot of good good companies out there and that's just a few okay so check that out all right so we're going to get into this podcast i usually mix it up a little bit but paul cornett is such a good host and good guest shall i say 
Uh, he just nails it out of the park. I think you're going to learn a lot about pricing, about how you can talk to your customer, uh, some tactics about when a customer is uh, is unexpected about the price that you're offering him, what different techniques he has to offer. I give my two cents on something on stuff. And what do you do when you have to drill a hole? Do you charge or you don't charge? So let's get right into it. Here comes Paul Corden. But first, let's go into the intro. Hello, everyone. I'm Mike Toledo, your host on Dent Time PDR, a podcast about PDR training, tutorials, interviews, and much more. So get something to eat, drink, and start pushing. It's time to listen. All right, everybody. I I just made the phone call. I got Paul Corden on. And um, listen, Paul, listen, I got you on because we all know that you talk about the price guide. Matter of fact, you're the grandfather of the price guide. You have personally helped change the thinking and the price structure of paintless dent repair, which is hands down probably one of the the best things that's that's happened to us in the last decade. I mean, literally, that's and, and we're not talking it should have happened 20 years ago, but it recently yeah. happened within the last 2 years, honestly. Let's just really think about the last 2 years. You've had your hands in there really deep. You've really educated a lot of people about it, but what I want to talk about this podcast about is more of the details. Let's go a little deeper into this. Um Number one, I want to talk about, you hear those kids screaming outside, sorry. Um, I want to talk about, like, first of all, justification. This is why, you know, if you can't, you said a long time, if you can't justify, don't try, okay? Mm-hmm. And the other yeah. thing is, my thing is, is that, listen, if you if you don't believe it, then you can't, you can't preach it. You know what I mean? Because, because the mm-hmm. customer's going to feel that you're not believable and if you don't be, they don't believe you they're not they're not trusting you wouldn't you agree yeah 100 percent. i mean i think mike thanks for having me by the way i appreciate yeah. being on with you we, you and i go back a while and, and i always appreciate everything you do for the industry so uh i feel like i'm in good company but yes exactly what you said is 100 percent what i believe um especially when you're selling you know when you're selling to a retail client or when you have to sell you know your uh, repairs and your estimates to an insurance adjuster, it's kind of the same thing. I mean, we really, we have to sell from a place of conviction, right? And and kind of what I mean by that is if we don't 100% believe what we're saying to be true, then I think people have an intellectual and a kind of a like an emotional IQ that is much higher than we think. Like they can see through that. They can tell when we really don't believe what we're saying and we're just trying to kind of get one over on them. And so if we can't say it from a place of really deep conviction where we believe it 100%, then it's going to be hard to communicate that to the person on the other end of that transaction or that negotiation. So yeah, I a hundred percent believe that we have to, we have to know that what we're saying is true and believe it 100% in order to sell it appropriately. And quite frankly, I mean, that's why, you know, justification is such an important part of that whole process is we, we, we've got to make sure that what we're saying and what we believe that we're saying is true is because we can show how it's true in a tangible way when we stick a light up on a, on a panel with a dent and we show them the measurement of that dent because there is a good physical, you know, uh, tangible way for us to do that. 
So yeah, 100%, and I'm with you. All right, let, let me set this story up here too, because you and I had a conversation about two years ago, okay? You were speaking at PDR College, and yep. I think it was one of the first years you were there. And uh, you, you came up to our suite, and we were talking, and, and we, you know, we, we were chit-chatting about, you know, selling and things like that. And then you go, well, you know, Mike, uh, you know, what do you get for, for making manufactured access points? I go, what do you mean, drilling holes? And you said, yeah. <laughs> I said, I, I don't charge anything. What are you talking about? I'm drilling a hole in the car. You go, you're leaving money on the table. And I go, What? I go, you kidding me, yeah. right? And you said, you said it with a straight face. No, I'm serious. I go, what do you mean? He goes, I charge people to drill holes in their car. Yeah. I said, I was laughing, right? I was laughing because you, did. you laughed at me like I was joking. I did, and you were serious <laughs> as heck. And you said, Mike, let me let me give you the scenario here, and I want you to set this up, though, Paul. You. I can't tell it better than you because, you know, you, you told me, but I tell this story to my students all the time about how you, it's almost like, a I wouldn't say a trick, but you kind of, it's like an illusion. Like, Hey, would you rather pay $150, $200 for me to take apart your vehicle? Or would you rather have a manufactured access point for $25? And it's like the switcheroo and all the customers thinking is, is the cost. So set yep. that. So you go ahead and explain that in detail. And this is part of where you have to believe in what you're selling. So go ahead. Tell me. Yeah, that. absolutely. So before I get into the actual details of how that's done, I, I have a little bit of a setup, if okay. you don't mind. Yeah, so, no. You know, indulge me. So I don't know if you remember when we were kids, we could buy, or maybe our parents bought for us one of those books that we had to read, and it would be a choose your own adventure type of book. Do you remember that? Yes. Yeah. 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 So, so you might, you might buy like a murder mystery or some sort of adventure book. And like at the end of each chapter, it would say, okay, is, is the hero going to go this route or is he going to go this route? And then it would tell you, okay, if he's going to go route a, then you're going to flip to this page and keep reading the story. If you go to the second route or route B, you're going to flip to this page and you're going to finish reading that story. So it's when I, when I go into these descriptions and giving my customers these options, whether to drill or not to drill, I'm kind of a little bit kind of directing and guiding them, but I'm also trying to read them and understand what they really want. You know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, I want to make sure that I'm giving my customer exactly what they want and giving them the value that they're looking for. So it's a little bit of a kind of a trick, but um, when it comes to drilling holes and charging for holes, um, I firmly believe that for those of us who are in, the, a, let's say, a retail or even a wholesale market where, you know, drilling holes are options at times, um, I want to make sure that, number one, I'm getting paid for my expertise and being able to drill that hole in the right spot, you know, and get paid for using the materials, the drill bits that I pay for, you know, the drills and batteries, uh, the, the expertise and experience for knowing where to drill and where not to drill. And then pay for those daggone plugs from Anson because, you know, Craig Dyer and Christina charge so much for those plugs. That's a joke, by the way. I've been telling them to charge more for their whole plugs for a while. But um, I want to be able to, you know, I want to be able to charge for all of that, you know, years of experience and, and those materials and everything else that it takes to accurately and expertly drill a hole and fix a dent and then plug it when we're done. 
Um, and so, uh, but, but I don't, I know that not every customer is going to want that. So what I typically do is I say, Hey, Mr. You know, Smith, um, here, here's your dent and here's the situation. Your dent is in a, maybe it's in a weird spot and it doesn't allow us the, the best access without one of two options. And usually I'll say we can, and I'll usually start with the, you know, if, if I'm trying to guide the customer down the decision-making process of drilling a hole, giving us a faster, easier option to fix the dent and then seal and plug the hole when we're done, then I'll usually start with the more severe thing. So I'll say, hey, listen, my two options are I can um, I can disassemble the interior trim of your door panel. Um, I can pull the glass out. Maybe I, I have to pull a carrier plate on the inside, and that's going to add you know quite a bit of time and labor and money to the estimate. Or we have a cheaper, faster option, which would allow me to get the dent out and make it look, you know, correct. And but that would require us to drill a hole or manufacture an access point. And you know, I, I'll say it with a straight face. And they they might say, well, what's the difference? And then I'll go into the price difference. And on average, I would say when we're pulling apart a door, and uh, in our shop, I know we'll we'll do you know we'll gut the door and then we'll pull the door off of the car and put it up on a stand. So you know, that would include all of those operations. And it runs, on average, I would say about 140 to $200 roughly to do that in additional labor, you know, book time with uh, labor costs and everything. Or I can manufacture a hole or manufacture access or drill a hole for, Wait, you know, the yeah, you, price of You told me specifically, you told me specifically, sorry to interrupt you, but and you said, Mike, don't say drill hole. Say yeah, created yeah, a, a, a created manufactured access point, and you said that yeah. sounds a lot more appealing than drilling a hole because that's where they, they that's where they 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 hear they get caught they get stuck on that right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, you know, when you the difference between saying drill a hole and manufacture access, there, there's a big difference. I mean, manufactured access sounds like a professional term that an expert would use. Drilling a hole sounds like something a schlub in a pot lot, you know, or a gravel lot is going to do to a used car who, where he doesn't care about it. Right. Yeah. But, um, but you know, the, the words we use matter. And so, you know, when you're dealing with, especially retail clients, you know, we want, we want to make everything sound as professional and look as professional as possible. And so I use words like manufacturer access. And for me, it just rolls off my tongue so easy because I, I say it so often. And it does feel weird at first though, for somebody who's been doing dents for a long time and you know, they're drilling holes and they're trying to sell to customers drilling a hole and it's not a big deal in it. And quite frankly, it's, I don't think drilling a hole is a big deal in certain situations. Um, ultimately, at the end of the day, we're giving the customer what they want. That's the goal. But um, yeah, manufacturer access sounds a lot more um, refined, a lot more professional uh, and sounds like something that would come out of an expert's mouth. And so, yeah, I definitely think words matter and, and we should use the, the most friendly words to selling a job that we can. So that's how I typically phrase it. And um, I give the customer the option, hey, I can pull the door apart and we can fix this thing correctly without drilling a hole, which is perfectly reasonable. And and um, if that is what you're looking for, we can do that. Or the alternative is if you're looking for a cheaper or faster, and usually I'll use cheaper in the same way we just talked about how words are you know, important. Yeah. I'll use the word cheaper because most people don't want to be cheap. You know what I mean? Like nobody wants to be called cheap. Yeah. And when you use the word cheap, even though you're not using it to call the person cheap, 
that word itself makes people feel like, oh, oh I don't want the cheaper version. You know, I, I want this done right is typically what my customer is going to say. Yeah. And so if they are really um, cost conscious, then they're probably going to opt for the drilling method, which is only $25 versus the pull the door apart option, which is another $200. And quite honestly, I mean, when I get that customer who really wants the job done right without drilling, I'm going to want that extra $200 or so in labor to do that job without drilling it because it's going to take me a, quite a bit more time. Perfect. And let me, thanks for clarifying that because that's exactly what I wanted to refer and help people understand about when they have that option, uh, mm-hmm. either pull the panel or, or take off the door, you know, the whole nine yards or, or make the manufactured access point. I yeah. had to rehearse that with you in person about 15 times before I stopped laughing. And, <laughs> and to be honest Take with you, Paul, it's, I want to say thank you very much because I did, I practiced it. I said, I'm going to be able to do this. And I say it now with a straight face. I look yes. at them. I give them the two options. And I say Mr. Smith too, as a, as a example to my students and my students watched me do a uh, talk to a customer the other day, said the same thing. Mm-hmm. Hey, Mr. Smith, yeah. I just want to let you know that, Hey, on top of the estimate, Unfortunately, this is a bad spot. We either have two options here. We can take off the door panel and pull the window out, take off the inside. That's going to run you about between $100 and $150, but I don't know because I don't know how if there's a kick plate inside of it or not. Or we can make a manufactured access point, but that's only $25. So what, what, what option do you think you want to do? He never hears drilling hole. He never hears about that. He just hears... Let's go to the $25 option. So Exactly. And yeah. I said it with a straight face and and because I believe it, he believes it. But if I if I hesitate or if I don't believe it, uh he's definitely not. He might just walk away from the entire repair period. So Yeah. You know, I Well, I really one of the other you remind me of something else that I find myself saying pretty often to other techs or or if, you know, I'm at a seminar or something and teaching something. Um, I, I really firmly believe that we as dent technicians don't realize that we are truly the experts when it comes to paintless dent repair, right? We, oh, I think there has been a stigma, especially for those of us who have been in the business for a long time. I mean, I'm, I'm in my 20th year now and, um, going on my 21st and I started before we had glue pulling tools, you know what I mean? So I, I guess because I've been in it so long, sometimes I feel like, well, I'm just a dent guy, right? Like using those words, like I'm just a dent guy. But I have to force myself into realizing and remembering that I'm a professional PDR technician. You know what I mean? And I would, I think I could say of myself, I'm an expert PDR estimator too. Like that's, that's what I do. That's, that's what I do every day, multiple times a day. So when it comes to coming up with a repair plan and estimating damage, nobody else knows how to do that better than you and I do because we're doing it daily. And so I think understanding that really kind of deep down inside as PDR technicians and being able to believe and to say, I am a PDR expert. Therefore, what I say about this repair plan is, you know, the best option for you. And obviously we have the responsibility to make sure that the repair plan that we're putting together for our customer is really the best for that situation. You know, there are some times when I look at a dent and I go, well, I don't know if drilling a hole is the best repair plan for that particular situation. So 
I might try to sell the customer on pulling the door apart and taking the door off the car. But in some situations where I think the best repair plan for the customer and for that particular, you know, damage is to drill the hole and fix it and then seal it and plug it because it's going to be cheaper, faster, and it's still going to give us a great repair, then I'll try to lead the customer down that, that path. But the, I think the, the fastest way for techs who aren't comfortable with this stuff to start to get comfortable with saying, you know, things like we're going to manufacture an access point is to believe that they are 100% the expert when it comes to PDR repair. Because truthfully, as far as I'm concerned, they just are. They are the expert, you know, how it goes. And you just uh, touched another thing on there is that, look, we were so, Paul, we're so concerned about being the best PDR tech. You know what I mean? Like we want to be, we want to do all types of dents, which is great. I mean, that's, that's what we want. But we lack the, the other, the main skill about how to sell that repair, especially get way more money and be a professional estimator. Like you said, you know, you, yeah. we, we know what it's going to take to do the repair. We just don't know how to sell how to do the repair to the customer. Right. I mean, that's a, that's a world of thing. Let me ask you something. I'm gonna put you on the spot here, man. Like yeah. when are you going to open up your own estimating subscription podcast website? When, when are you going to do that, man? Uh, you sly dog, you Mike. Um, yeah. I, you know, it's funny because uh, you, you had encouraged me years. Actually, I, I think it was, you know, a couple of years ago, you were like, man, you, you ought to do a podcast. And, oh man, that's, that, that has haunted me for the last couple of years. And, and I've thought about it and I've considered it and I've watched other podcasts come and, you know, jump into the market. And I just always, I guess I always feel like, you know, I'm not sure how much I have to offer. And I know that's a silly thing because I've, you know, people call me all the time and ask me for information. So I know I have something to offer, but I guess it's just something that I need to finally jump into and, um, and probably put together. I, I think I would, if, and when I do that, um, I would probably do maybe a once a month or once every two week type of a type of a podcast. And uh, you'll, you'll hear about it. As a matter of fact, you'll probably help me figure out how to do that the best way possible. So you know what? Um, I would help. I later. would help you in a second, and I, I, and I would not want one dime from you. I, w- I would love to see <laughs> this industry really, really thrive yeah. even more because people need it. You know yeah. what I mean? They need the constant coaching. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. Even, I, dude, I do. I, I do all the time. No, yeah. I mean, I'm too. A, well, me too, man. I need to be challenged. You know. Let me ask you something because I was at the last seminar. I learned a lot from Gene Fetty. You know, he was there yep. at the uh, seminar and he, he used a lot of tactics with what you said. And then he came up with his own way of setting, setting something. But, you know, one thing he did say is like, and I've, I heard us mention it the way, but the way he set it up too, as well as he made the price, the Paul Corden price guy, the bad guy. You know what I mean? Right. Like that's the bad yep. guy. Not, not you. The, yep. the price guide's the bad guy. You know what I mean? And yeah. the yeah. way he presented it was he was talking with the customer, not at the customer behind the price guide. You know what I mean? That's uh, exactly right. Yeah. No, that's, he's exactly right. And I've, I've, we've talked about this before in, in some of the seminars, and that is that when you have a system or a process for estimating that kind of narrows it down to, for lack of a better word, the science, right? It's a process. There are steps that you can do, and it will produce a consistent estimate. Um, that the the process itself, in this case, you know, we're referring to it as the price, the you know, the PK price guide, the Paul Corbin price guide. 
that process itself becomes kind of the bad news bearer to the customer. Does that make sense? So like you and I are just a guy who's using this industry, quote unquote, industry process to discover together with the customer what the cost of that repair is going to be, right? And when we're on a journey with the customer, kind of on the, on the, on their side, like helping them along the journey, and we're discovering together what that total cost of that repair plan is going to be, then we aren't the person to blame for the number. It's really the process or the guide that's to blame for the number. We're just discovering it with them together. And it's really nice, especially if you use Mobile Tech RX. Um, what's really cool about it is that uh, most customers will say, well, how much do you think it's going to be? And honestly, Mike, I really mean this when I say it. And I, when I say it to customers is I really don't know what the cost of their repair is going to be until I've brought it inside, put the light on it, measured and marked out the damage, and then put that information into the computer software because I, I don't remember prices. I don't remember the correlation of a five-inch dent to a price number. You know what I mean? It's just I could. I probably used to. But now I've learned to depend on the software, and I can honestly say to the customer, hey, I really don't know the answer to that question, but let's discover it together. Let's scan your bins. Let's put in this information. Let's mark it out measure it, and let's put that information in the software, and let's find out what it says. And then, truthfully, I can stand right next to the customer and show them the screen and say, hey, this system says that price is going to be this. And we are technically discovering it together. And what you find is that when that happens, number one, the customer does not look to you and go, oh, are you trying to you know, take one, get one over on me or overcharge me? They don't say that. And the other thing is they go, oh, well, they, he's using some sort of a, you know, scientific process here to figure this out. Some in, the industry has developed this. And so there's not really room to argue or negotiate. Yeah. More often than not, customers will say, when can I get it done? Or they'll, or they'll tell you, hey, I'm not a buyer at that price. I'm out. You know, we'll see you later. What do you do and, at? And that's okay. Go, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, Paul. I was going to ask you a counter counter question, but go ahead. You finish your thought. No, I was going to say the, the reason that's okay is is because it helps you to weed out kind of like that that pick your own adventure book that we talked about earlier. It helps you to kind of figure out which adventure you're on. Are you on an adventure with a customer that is a buyer for the kind of client that you want, the kind of customer that you want, or on you are you on an adventure with a customer that's not really yours? Or like I like to call it, they're a nacho. They're just nacho customer. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So. No, do you like it? Because I'll tell you my thoughts. Uh, I, when they say, you know, that's more than what I want to to spend here. I didn't know. I, was, I wasn't expecting it to be that high. And then what I say to the customer is like, well, what were you expecting to pay? Right? I'm not saying I'm exactly. opening the doors, but I'm saying, what were you expecting to pay? And, you know, if they give me a reasonable number, then I say, listen, let me... I. Like I can't go below my base. I just can't. I, that's the base. That's what the system requires. Right. But I can't help you out on the percentage of you know maybe the aluminum or the RNI or whatever. Right. And I and I show it. and I put my finger on the Mobile Tech RX and I just slide the slider down just a little bit, notch. I and yeah. and then and it seems to work. Like I swear, probably at least over half the time they go, all right, that that's fine. Let, that's okay. Let's go ahead and schedule. You know what I mean? So yeah. I don't know what, what your tactic is, but I, I generally no, ask that question and see if they're still there or if they're just completely out. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
No, that's that's actually a great tactic, the way that you did it. And I, I haven't, I actually learned something here. And I, I haven't done it that way, but I'm curious to test it out. Um, one of the things that I do that has worked for me in the past is I, I do exactly what you do. I ask him, hey, what were you expecting? You know, like I just quoted you $500 for the stent. What, and you're saying that's really high. And then I say, well, what are you, what were you expecting? You obviously had a kind of a preconceived price in your mind of what you thought it would cost. And that's kind of what I'm trying to get out of them is what yeah. did you think it was going to cost? Yeah. And um, if that customer says back to me, well, I thought it was going to be, you know, 50 bucks, then I know that that's not my customer. We're yeah. so far apart. We're probably not going to come to a, a, you know, agreeable negotiation. And, but if that customer says, well, I thought I was going to be in the three or $400 range, that's close enough. I know that we're probably going to be able to make a deal. And so at that point, what that customer probably wants is at least something to make them feel better about spending that money that they weren't planning on spending. Right. Yeah. So what I typically have done in the past and what I've been doing until you just gave me a new, you know, idea to try is I typically will start with, um, you know, a 10% discount. And very, very honestly, I often don't have to go past that. So if I, if I have a $500 dent and I say to the customer, Hey, listen, I understand you, you thought it was going to be cheaper. Uh, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll, I'll give you a 10% discount, but I never just give a discount for no reason. You know what I mean? Just cause they want it cheaper. Okay. Then I'll do it cheaper. I hate to send that message across. Yeah. So I try to connect my discount with some reason, right? And I'll, I'll usually ask them before I offer the 10% is I'll say, well, are you military or law enforcement, right? Because typically we'll give a military and law enforcement customer a 10% discount just as a way of saying thank you for your service. Um, and they might say, yes, and then that's great. Then we've attached our 10% discount to a cause, right? To, hey, they're military, they're law enforcement, great, you get a 10% discount. And they're typically pretty happy with that. I've never had anybody asking for more. If it's not military or law enforcement, I, I don't want to just give a discount. So then I will try to stay quick on my feet and go, okay, well, no, you're not military or uh, law enforcement. Then uh, let me ask you this. How, are you a first-time customer? Have you been here before? And if they say, no, I haven't been here before, I go, oh, great. Well, why don't we why don't we do this? We'll extend that 10% to you as a first-time customer Love discount. Love it. Love and, it, dude. And, we, and we, we're so glad that you chose us to do your repair type of deal, right? So I've associated that discount with a cause, and almost every time the customer goes, goes great, I'll take 10% off, right? And if they're not a first-time discount, you know, first-time customer, then I'll say, well, they'll say, no, I'm not a first-time customer. Oh, well, you've been here before. That's great. We're glad you came back and chose us. Our local company is called Dent Shop. We're glad you chose Dent Shop as your repair again, and we appreciate the loyalty. So we're happy to extend that 10% discount to a returning customer you, you know sly I mean? sales dog you dude you. right so so you're kind of you're you're helping guide them but you're also doing kind of a pick your adventure at the same time you know what i mean i don't because think you I, need I just, to try my way i think that one's perfect <laughs> i can't wait to try it tomorrow man <laughs> well know? well here's here's the good here's the good and the bad news the good news is typically i mean i mike i'm being honest with you when i tell you that i can't remember a time when i've had to discount anything more than 10%. I really can't remember. It, it's probably been so long ago that it just slips my memory, but it limits your your loss down to 10% of your ticket. 
and quite honestly, 10% is, is realistic. I mean, you can still make decent money at a 10% discount if you're writing your estimates correctly using, you know, price guide or, or mobile tech or X or whatever, you know what I mean? So it's, you're still in a really good spot and the customer feels great and it's a win for everybody. And that's when you really have a good business win. You know what I mean? You know, Paul, I'm so glad I, I got you on here, dude. I mean, literally, you need, you, dude. You you just brought so much value right there. I mean, look, I'm I'm always conditioning myself to to want to learn and do more things and uh, yeah. better myself and and can continue to to evolve, right? Or polish our or polish ourselves. And yeah. you know, I thought I had it pretty good, but then you just added a little something on top of that. That's that's a perfect, great little salesperson. I mean, that gosh, dang, man, thanks a lot, man. I like that, dude. And I hope my yeah. listeners appreciate oh, that no, too. I'm, man. Happy to, I'm happy to do it. Yeah, no, it works, and it, you know, I, I would love to hear that other guys are trying it and they're you're giving you feedback and finding out that it works really well. Um, but yeah, a lot of this stuff really has to do with, and you know this, Mike. I, I think you know this probably as good, if not better, than anyone. You really, what we're doing is we're in a relationship with a customer, right? Yes, we're trying to get to a transaction where they give us money for a service, but truthfully, we're starting off and we're ending off in a relationship with a customer, and we have to read that person in order to understand that relationship and guide them down the path that they want, or at least we want them to want what we want, if, if that's the goal, you know, if we're leading them. So, yeah, you, you get that, but I hope everybody understands that. So this isn't all just about, hey, how do we get the most money? It's really about how do we get the most money for the repair and end up with a happy client in the end as well. Well, you, you, know, know? I, you know, I think what you're getting at too is that, listen, pay attention to your customer, relate to the customer, you know, really listen and, and kind of feel what they're feeling. And, and, you know, you're, 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 you're not hiding behind the, the Paul Corden price guide or, the, you know, the tactical or the, you know, just basically MTRX thing. Mm -hmm. You're, you're walking through the process. That's it's, you know, you're not the bad guy. That is the bad guy. And then see where they're at, measure them, listen, look at their body language. And then you're saying, walk them through to like, what's the best option for them personally. And then see and see, wait for their answer and then counter like what you just said. So I do. I mean, I like it, man. That's a, I mean, I can't wait. I wish a customer would come in right now. I'm going to charge a thousand bucks to see what I can get on them, dude. You know, <laughs> just kidding. well, you better tell somebody about it when you do and, and let us know how it works out. Cause I'd love to know that it works for someone else other than me. I'm sure it does, but yeah, dude, it's a, it, it works. And like I said, I mean, I know you Mike, and I know that I could, I could tell, you know, about you, you know, I've never seen you in an interaction with a customer that, you really do care about your customer. You you are trying to find the best path for them, and um and that's really where it all starts. All the other stuff is kind of adding to and helping you guide through how to best serve your customer. You you know, you, you know what, Paul? Um, literally, I mean, you. I'm sure you've heard this before. You have really, really helped the industry and myself and and what i've gotten i've been i've been looking i've been trying to even better myself the relationship when a customer steps in the in my shop and people this doesn't have to be a shop situation okay yeah but when they when i shake their hand i'm looking directly hard in their face and in their eyes okay that's yeah. first of all i'm making contact eye contact and they see that's a connection right right away 
Mm-hmm. Hey, how you doing, Mr. Smith? Hey, thanks for stopping by. What can I help you with? You know, oh, I got a dent in my car. Hold on a second. Let me get the price guy. Let's go take a look. And then mm-hmm. if it's something that, you know, it's a ding or if it's something a bigger dent, you know, Mr. Smith, I think it's best if I just pull in the shop. Let me let me just write the estimate up. We'll go over it. Let me bring you over to the dent and let's just we'll go from there. How's that sound? Oh, that sounds great. Why don't you just have a cup of coffee right here? If you need anything, yep. it'd be about 10 minutes or so. You have the keys. All right, here you go. I pull it in, go through it. And I already have the chart, my listings and all that stuff. And I turn to him and, and I'm side by side with him and I'm showing the price guide. And I'm looking at his eyes the whole time. I'm not looking down. I'm looking at the thing, but I'm looking back at him and looking at the thing. I'm, I, and I'm really involved with him and he knows it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I've got that from you guys and I, and I've really been honing my skills on this and I just feel like it's, it, it started with you and I appreciate that, man. I just, I, I do. And I think I'm uh, still working on it, you know, and still polished it. Yeah. Truthfully, I mean, Mike, I don't, I don't know if I know anybody who really truly has arrived. I mean, I think it, for, for those of us who really are serious about our business, I mean, I think we're always in a state of learning and a state of growing and a state of, you know, trying to navigate, Hey, what, what is working better? You know, it's, it's why, guys who develop websites or, or who do digital marketing have A-B testing or ABC testing, you know, they want to figure out, well, what ad works best in the customer's eyes. And, and that's what we're doing with our interaction, you know, all of the actions and, and reactions that we practice with customers. And uh, I, I'm doing the same thing. And uh, that's why there's some things that I have learned from you and I've learned from other guys out there. And it's pretty cool. That collective learning is, is really helpful when it comes to running a business and really understanding customer interaction and how to, how to sell best to a customer, serve a customer best. Um, and it's, it's really neat because it goes, believe it or not, it sounds, I, I'm sure there are guys out there who are listening to this going, dude, you guys are overcomplicating this because it's, we just bend metal and we make money for bending metal. And <clears throat> to some degree, that's what I appreciate about what we do is it really, at the end of the day, we can put our headphones on, push on some metal and make some money. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's that simple, but, in order to really run a business, it's you got to get a bit deeper and more complicated than that. It, there is, there are real relationships that are happening with real customers that will turn into and and result in transactions. But that relational part has to be as important, if not more important, than the transactional part. You know, if we get the relational part right, the transactional will come, and we will literally swipe credit cards and make money and pay our bills. Yeah. You know. Yeah, is there a room for you to, are you ever doing like a um, PDR estimating certification at all? Are you th- is there any plans on that? Have you ever thought about that? You know, uh, so, so I, have, I have thought about it. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, I was invited to an ICAR PDR um, meeting that was going on this week, and I wasn't able to make it because I'm on the hail trail. And I got a bunch of, you know, uh, fish to fry here now. So I wasn't able to make it, but um, there's been some conversations and some things going on about that. I don't exactly, I can't say that I exactly know what's happening in the industry, but there are definitely three or four different things that are really interesting going on in the industry. And there are some uh, industry organization, PDR, PDR industry organizations that are, you know, actively involved and proactively involved in that stuff. And I think we're going to find in the future that there is a place for that. 
Um, I don't think that time is right here and right now, but I think it's coming. And I think um, it's going to take guys like you and guys like all the other folks on the podcast, PDR Tool Time and college and a couple other guys to, you know, continue to, I think, get the information out there, which is what I really appreciate about, you know, you guys doing is just getting good information out to the masses. And I think it's going to take the guys who are really serious about um, the business and have a passion for the industry, continuing to try to push the boundaries and the limits and give a voice to the guys who are in the industry pushing metal. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And uh, I, I, I think NAPDART and PDR Nation have a part in that. Um, it, I am currently you know, petitioning those two organizations to you know, give us a position statement about extreme hail damage. There's so many guys pushing these ridiculous dents in the hail, and um, we don't necessarily have a a good um, process for estimating extreme hail. Well, we haven't, and I'm proposing that we now do using the price guide. And uh, I'm hoping that those guys can get behind it and really help to support the industry and the technicians, the independent technicians who are doing this work. And, and put a, you know take a stand and say hey listen we can fix these things with technology and with greater skill um, now it's time for us to be appropriately compensated for the extreme damage that we're handling well you know? we, we definitely we got to get you back on the show when that happens when you start getting that ball rolling there because it's just like extreme PDR repairs right I mean now you're, right. you're talking about extreme you're out there. Let's just talk about that real quick. How, how's the hail trail yeah. going for you? You recently started, what, is it last year you started a hail trail? Yeah, yeah. So this is my second season on a hail trail and uh, had a had a really strong first year. Um, just, you know, was connected with the right people, got on the right storms and um, was able to learn a lot. I, I think I was able to share some, some information as well. Um, this year, I, I think this year is a tech year. I mean, there's, there's just hail everywhere and it's hard to get a hold of um, – you know, a certain amount of technicians for different storms because everybody's busy. So that's a great problem to have. Um, and quite frankly, I think in moments like this where technicians are busy and there's not a, a big pool of people to pull from, this is the time where we can really start to make some headway with our estimating and with getting the numbers that we are, you know, we believe are correct. And because there are, there's just not enough text to handle all the work. And so we're just going to have to say to some body shops and to some insurance companies, I'm sorry, you're going to have to cut that roof off and put a new one on. Right. But uh, what we're finding out is at some point, most body shops say, okay, enough is enough. We can't cut another roof off of a car. We really need you to fix it. And that's where we have opportunity to say, well, here's the thing. We can't really fix that for the PDR estimate that you're telling us that you have numbers for. We really need more than that. And it's the reason why, even just today, we had a roof approved um, on a, I don't remember what it was, but it, it was it was well above replacement costs. And it had things like, factors like rental car days that w the customer will not have to be in a rental car kind of worked into the final total estimate because these body shops and insurance companies are realizing, well, PDR can fix it to an extent you know, a, a reasonable expectation and they can do it in just a day or two rather than a week waiting for the roof panel and then all the paint and all the, you know, rental car coverage and, and so on and so forth. That cycle time has just gone way down with PDR. 
So they're willing to give us the money for the cost of the part and the labor and the rental time and, 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 you know what I mean? Yeah. So this is a season where I think we have the opportunity to, you know, move the ball down the field a little bit when it comes to pricing in the hail, but we need everybody kind of swimming in the same direction to make sure that we're, you know, towing the line in the same direction and uh, we're being consistent within the industry. And that's, that's one of the biggest on the flip side of what I'm talking about, that's one of the biggest uh, struggles that we still have is the PDR industry at large is very inconsistent in the way that they estimate cars. Um, I'll speak specific, specifically the hail cars. And so, um, but that is a challenge. And I'll tell you why, Mike. Every insurance company has different ling- language or lingo. One insurance company will pay double panel. Another insurance company won't pay double panel, but they will pay loophole. Yeah. Same percentage markup. At the end of the day, it means the same thing. You have to glue pull it instead of get a tool behind it, but the language is different. Do you, do you so throw the, there's a lot of, there's do, a lot of learning that has to happen. Do you throw the, the kitchen sink at, at, at an estimate and just see what you get? Or do you guys kind of just kind of kind of feel out the um, the same? No, what, the, what yeah, there there are so if you know me, you know that I try to push the limits of everything yep. right when it comes to estimating so uh, i'll throw everything in there and i'll especially at the beginning of a storm in a new area i throw everything at the insurance company and i let them tell me what they will and will not do right and the reason i do that is because i want to get an understanding for what they say and what they will and will not do you know what i mean it's 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 the it's kind of like the example of anchors when you're price anchoring uh, what I like to do is I throw the highest and heaviest price out to my, let's let's call it a retail client. I'll say, Mr. Customer, this dent is going to cost you $1,275. And what I want the customer to do is have that look on his face that goes, oh, my gosh, $1,275. I had no idea. you know. And that, that's when I know he's been pushed to his max, right? Yeah. Like it's, it's actually beyond his max. He's like, holy cow, I never thought that it would be that much. And then what happens is it's reset his mind into a whole different level of pricing so that when we come to the table to actually have a little back and forth and negotiate, I've already pushed him beyond his max. And when he does come down, he's coming down to what I would consider a reasonable level of negotiation with a price. In other words, we're not starting at 700 and ending at 500. No, we're starting at 1275 that we might be ending at. 1050. Yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah. No, I, I agree. That's why I, I, when I don't get much hail, but when I, I think I got a little grief though from uh, when I put it on mobile tech RX or I was, I, I threw the kitchen sink at this truck, man. Yeah. I got double, I got dealt, uh, ribbed. I got uh high truck. I got everything. Nobody could believe that I did that, but it, it, it worked. You know what I mean? Because obviously yeah. it was California. He didn't, you know, know too much, but he did knock off some things, but I, I learned that from you guys. I threw the kitchen sink on it and see where what happened. Yeah. And you never know. You don't ask, you don't receive, right? That's exactly right. I say that all the time. Yeah, we, we, I'm, I'm, I'm the kind of guy who's willing to ask for everything and anything and let people say no. Yeah. I, but you have to be comfortable with no, and there's a lot of people who are not. Um, as a matter of fact, I read a book about negotiation, and the guy said, listen, negotiations don't even start until you have a no. He said, until somebody has told you no, then you were technically not negotiating. So 
for me, I kind of look at any time that I, I sell a dent repair and the customer says yes to my first price, it's getting to the point in my career where I'm like, oh, this is a bummer because now I'm wondering how much money did I leave on the tape? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like, how do I know that I really did get the max value um, or the max dollars out of that based on what the customer's value is? And so I would almost rather hear a no in every negotiation so that I, at least I have a baseline to where, where I can say, this is where the negotiation started. And then once we've come to an agreement, typically it's going to be something that's a compromise that I'm happy with and the customer is happy with. And then I think everybody wins in that situation. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I agree. One hundo. I, listen, so, man, I, I love, I love talking all about tactics with you and, and learning a lot. Cause every time I've talked to you, I could have you on every day and I'm still going to learn something. And it's a good conversation with you, Paul. I mean, I, appreciate um, that, Mike. I really hope, I uh, hope uh, to see uh, some, something in the works for you in the future. I mean, I think uh, there wouldn't be, if there wouldn't be a person that probably wouldn't want to be involved with what you have. So look at the value you just bring to this that. podcast and the other ones that you've been on and, and throughout the years. Oh. I, I, yeah. I, I don't want to cut you off, but I really love to bring you back for some more in the future as, as always. So absolutely. Man. I'm uh, always in. I, and, and I appreciate you coming on, Paul. I really do. So, well, I appreciate your time, Mike. And thanks for all that you do. Um, and I hope, I hope this helps somebody in some small way and, uh, keep, keep, uh, keep keeping it up for everybody there. Um, we're all kind of in the same industry, trying to pull in the same direction, hopefully. And if we're not, then we need to. And I think podcasts and, and uh, the dissemination of information like you're doing is one of the ways that we can get a lot of people on board with the same mindset in the same direction and, you know, pull them in the same direction for the industry as a whole. So yeah. keep it up. I mean, that's, that's what I see guys like PDR contractors and then shop doing and, uh, you know, PDR tool time and college and dent time doing. I mean, it's just it's awesome to be part of a, you know, community that, that all has a similar mindset and wants to see the industry win and the independent technician win. And uh, to me, when that happens, that's uh, then my job is done and I can retire. <laughs> well, that's hopefully, hopefully you're going to do that. You got seven kids. So yeah, you, you'll get there. Uh, what I was mm-hmm. going to say to you, Paul, uh, what is your handle, man? What, how can people get a hold of you or check you out? Um, okay. So I'm, I'm on Facebook uh, everywhere. Paul Corden, just look up Paul Corden with a K K O R D O N. And then uh, on Instagram, I have a few Instagrams. Um, I have Paul Corden Dent Repair. And then um, I have uh, Dent Shop. Uh, Dent Shop Ashburn is my local company. And then I also represent Hale Auditors. Uh, Hale Auditors is a separate company dealing with Hale. But I'm all over the place. You can find me any of those places. and um, Or just call me or text me or whatever. My number's out there. And people can get a hold of me or email me and if I can help, I will. That's awesome, Paul. That's awesome, Paul. Once again, thank you very much for being on. Uh, thank you for taking some time out of your busy schedule and why you're busting your butt uh, doing some hail. And uh, again, thanks a lot, man. And I'll have you back on hopefully sometime in the near future, if you don't mind. Absolutely, Mike. Thanks for the opportunity, man. I appreciate it. All right, guys, that wraps it up. But I, before I go, I want to mention there is going to be a glue pulling repair seminar at Kiko's facility in Oklahoma City. That is July 12th, July 12th, and I'll be personally there as well, along with Dave Shalott and Gene Fetty. It's going to be a power pack seminar all about glue pulling, 
And if you haven't tried those new dead center tabs, actually, really, they're not new. They've been out for a little bit now, for almost two years, and they pull like a mofo. Pick yourself up some, learn a lot more about glue pulling. So attend the July 12th Glue Pulling Repair Seminar in Oklahoma City. I'll see you there. Take care. Talk to you guys in the next podcast.